you're listening to this and you're in your 20s and you feel stuck, lost, sort of aimless without purpose, which I think is what a lot of people feel, especially right out of school, is everything is changeable. I think I underestimated how malleable, how shiftable so many parts of our life. Hey, Ashley, I don't know what side of TikTok you're on, but lately I've been seeing a lot of stitch this with some advice for people in their 20s if you're in your 30s. And you know who came up? Is this my cue to say who came up? <laughs> yeah, who came up, Ashley? <laughs> who, who came up, Abby? Adam. And it's not just Adam. <laughs> you sound you sound like you're hanging out in a dive bar smoking two packs a day and your only friend is Sam Adams. <laughs> I'm so sorry, everyone. So hey you guys, we're back with another episode. Just go with it. Happy Friday. I hope you guys are all heading out to happy hour in about seven hours time. But we are here with another phenomenal episode. I say this every once in a while. But this is truly my new favorite episode. As our guest was speaking, I was practically trying to take notes to compartmentalize everything he was saying and remember it on my good days and my bad days and everything in between because that's what a great episode this is. Same, you guys. If you would have told me a year ago that we were going to have a conversation over FaceTime with a random man in Alabama who we saw on the internet that just possibly could have changed my life, I would have told you that you're crazy. But no. This interview was so good. Adam is just chocked full of so much advice. And obviously, by no means do any of us have all the answers. But I just think this conversation took a really positive turn. And I think you guys will get a lot out of it. I am very appreciative for everything that he said. And it just brought a lot of perspective to me. And I think you guys will absolutely love it. So yeah, Adam is in his 30s now and he went pretty viral on TikTok for doing a bunch of series on advice from people in their 30s to people in their 20s. And now he has a whole platform where he gives pep talks, motivational talks, and stuff that I think we all need to be hearing. So we were absolutely thrilled to have on Adam. And this is, like I said, I think my new favorite episode, but who who knows these days? Also, if you guys haven't already, go ahead and follow justgowithit.podcast on Instagram and we would be absolutely starstruck if you could leave a review on us for on Apple Podcasts. Enjoy. Well, welcome, Adam. We're so excited to have you. This is our first time meeting. I know you spoke with Ashley earlier, but I am a little bit starstruck. I have to say I'm a big fan of your TikToks and I was very blessed when you came across my For You page. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. That's so sweet. And this is all extremely surreal. So uh, I will be both in this experience and living it outside of the experience at the same time. <laughs> is this your first podcast, Adam? I can't remember if you mentioned if it was. I did one for a friend, but we did it over Zoom. And okay. <laughs> and she just took the audio from the Zoom. So this is this is number two for me. Wow. And Adam has his own mic. So he is more than prepared to jump into all of this. Uh, yeah, well, full disclosure, I TikTok made me realize that I have ADHD. And one of those videos that popped up was like, show me something that's in your direct vicinity that you bought thinking you were going to do it a lot and then you used it less than five times. And the mic I am currently using is evidence of that. Yeah, you said it sat on a shelf for eight months before you whipped that baby out, huh? Mm-hmm, but she's, she's, she's rocking now. We're... we're we're in business. He's rocking and rolling. So Adam, you had mentioned to me that you are or you were a public relations major in college. So that yeah. means that you like to talk probably as much as we do. Mm-hmm. 
Do you Thank know? God. Do you know what the Enneagram is? I do know what the Enneagram. Okay, is. are you a seven? No. What I'm are not. you? Okay, so you guess seven. Try, try again. Let's see what you come up with. You're not either a six or an eight. Mm-mm, I am a three. I'm a three. Mm. Very gotcha. much so. Sadly, overachiever. <laughs> I'm a uh, Ashley's a seven, and I'm an eight. Okay. Okay. I. In true three form, I know a lot about me and very little about others. (laughs) I am all over the place and Abby would kill someone defending her friends. (laughs) That's a concise, (laughs) too concise way to put it. I feel that energy from her. I feel that. Yeah, it's like everything's chill until it's not. Like that's... (laughs) No, that's exactly what it is. Extreme loyalty. Everything is chill until it's not. And then things take a turn. We're trying to figure out why she might be intimidating to others. And we haven't nailed it down yet. But we'll let you know we'll when get we there get one there. Day. Yeah. You know, not, not, not to get too deep, but it's probably because you're comfortable with stillness. And that, te- that tends to, 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 to alarm people. Wow. Okay. I love the analyzing. Let's keep that going. Let's do it, guys. I'm going to do everything to take the attention off of me, but also put it on me at the same time. It's a very three thing. Okay. I almost forgot for a second that, Adam, you told me that you have your PhD in communication, correct? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. That's why he's able to. Uh, he <laughs> knows about all. Us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. So where did you get your PhD and what did it look like for you coming right out of school? So let me let me answer the coming out of school question because it's I, I always tell people that you really don't need to have a, a plan for how all of your life is going to go because it won't go the direction that you think. I coming out of school, I did everything that I was supposed to do. That was like my whole energy. I was the first person in I was the first man in my family to graduate from college. And then I was needed to get the big boy job and the right internships and did all of those things. So I graduated school and started working for a Fortune 50 company. I was working in their corporate headquarters. And I was like, this this is it. This is the the launching pad. And I absolutely hated it. (laughs) I hated every minute of it. And I did that for three and a half years because- Yeah, I should preface, this was in the middle of the 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 most recent global economic crisis, not the one we're currently in, but the one before. <laughs> oh, that um, other one, right. Yeah, so what happened was I graduated in 2008, sort of at the height of everything, and I was just like, I am so lucky to have a job. I will hold on to this for, yeah. for dear life. And, you know, most of my family, ha- be- being a first-generation college student, there's this kind of idea that your life is going to be just less like instant easy road. And, you know, you have a college degree, which is something that most people in my family didn't have. And so it was mm-hmm. like, Oh, so, so you can't just like turn your back on this thing. Um, and so I felt like I couldn't do that. And then certain situations happened that kind of woke me up a little bit. And then that led to the trajectory of where I am now. Um, and I got my PhD at the university of Alabama in communication and information sciences. So that's that's the dovetail of both those questions. That's the Roll Tide school, right? Roll Tide. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me you both went to Pepperdine without telling me you both. (laughs) Totally. The most we know about Roll Tide is uh, Hannah Brown from The Bachelor. So yeah. Funny enough, she was a student of mine. 
Stop. Oh my gosh, no yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she We're works for me. even more. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I, yeah, so Hannah, Hannah worked for me for two years. She worked as one of our speaking studio consultants and I taught, she was in three classes with me. And one of them was public speaking, ironically enough. And then the other class was a class I teach in rhetoric and pop culture. She wrote her final paper in the class about The Bachelor. Oh my gosh. She had worked for me like very closely during her first kind of big breakup. And it was, she, it was not, hand, she, it, that was a struggle for her. Um, <laughs> and so she was like, I think I'm, I think, you know, someone approached me. This was a couple of years before she was actually on the show. She was like, about it. What do you think? I was like, Hannah, I'm a huge fan of that show. As a, <laughs> as a fan of the show, I think you'd be amazing television. As a fan of you as a human being, like, mm-hmm. don't do it. Yeah. Do, don't do it. And then when she got the call, um, well, she was on the show and as you remember her, her yeah, big she was on thing, Colton season and she made yeah. it to like top six or something. And what made her famous was she couldn't give the, the toast. She froze. She couldn't talk. Yeah. Which is oh, ironic yeah. Cause she literally worked for me helping people give presentations and give toasts. And oh, so no. she talked to me, um, after Colton season and before she started filming the bachelorette and she was like, Literally when that happened, your face and your voice was like in my head. And I was just like, oh my God, Adam is going to be so mad. And when (laughs) they were were filming like the promo for her, um, they, I filmed a scene with her that ended up getting edited out of the, the, like, you know, they did that, like introducing Hannah special Uh on Alabama's campus. We filmed the whole scene with me and her and I got to meet I got to meet Chris Harrison. It was really cool, um, but uh, it it never it never made it to air. So I yeah, that's one of many brushes with greatness in my life. <laughs> so Adam is greatness. actually an influential part of the Bachelor franchise. If you were in Hannah Brown's head during that scene, that's true. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's quite fun. But I love Hannah. She's she's a great person, um, and I care about her deeply. So I'm just uh-huh. happy for her that she's she's doing so well. Are you guys still friendly? Yeah, I would say we're friendly. Like, I mean, like if, like, I wouldn't say that like in the way that you all, in the way that you, if there was a professor in your life that you was really influential for you, right? Like, yeah, we've got I one <laughs> and get a response, but we're not like, I, yeah. you know, I'm not intimately involved in the day to day of her life or anything like that. And I'm not live. Oh, if you are listening, <laughs> I'm going to consult you. If I ever get an offer to go on the bachelor, you were very influential to me and we're going to have you on the podcast one day too. So yes, we adore yeah. you. Totally should. Sorry. That, that was a tangent. No, that was good. We can keep all that. Right. That's good yeah, sure, stuff. Yeah. That was real good stuff. But yeah, Abby's pining to get on uh, what eight, seven year goal. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe in my seven-year plan. I know you're not supposed to have a plan for your life, but it's in my loose outline, I would say. Okay, a loose outline. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I always tell people, you can have a plan for your life in three-year increments. I think think two minutes. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I recently told someone that, and looking back, I think I got it from one of your TikToks. You might have. <laughs> I was talking to one of my friends who lives in New York, and I was like, maybe three years is what you should be looking at, and it's from your TikTok. <laughs> That's the thing about perspective, is that nothing is new under the sun. We're all a collective of the things we've been told. So I so I think someone gave me that advice at some point in time, and it was one of those things, I was like, whoa, yeah, that... 
that makes so much sense. And then I see it playing out because with what I do day to day, I get to be in front of a lot of young people, people in their, in their, in their, you know, early twenties, they're about to graduate school. And there's just this sense of like, I have to choose what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And you're like, no, baby, no, you don't have to do that because you choose it. But, but so much of that is based on circumstance. And I always joke that if you were to, even 10 years ago, if you were to have been, you're going to live in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and then you're going to be on a, you're going to start filming 60 second videos that on an app that is owned and originated in China, and people are going to love it. I would have been like, what? No, that's ridiculous. You're, you're a ridiculous person right now. None of what my life looks like, not a single thing was anything I had ever planned. Not a single thing. So, no. but, but at the same time, I always tell people just prepare to walk through the doors that are open for you. Because I think so many times we like, we're focused on, I want this thing over here. And we miss the, the opportunities that are right in front of us that if we were to say yes to those, it leads to more things. Like every action creates more opportunity. But if you say no all the time, and if you're not moving forward anyway, and if you just are waiting for someone to say, well, hi, Abby, it looks like you need direction. That's just like never going to happen. Nobody is going to come to you and ask if you need help. I agree yeah, no one's going to break into your home and ask to help you. Damn yeah. it, we're only 12 minutes in and I already feel inspired. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I, was, I was going to ask if you've ever thought about being a life coach, but I guess you can kind of get your voice out on the platform yeah. through TikTok. You're already life coaching everyone. You know, I think it's funny. I think that that part of my personality has evolved over time. It definitely wasn't there. Definitely wasn't there in my twenties. That is for sure. But I think because, so because I am, I'm a professor at a university. So I, as like my, my full-time job, um, I am in front of students a lot. And when you do that, you're investing in young people. And when you do that, you are molding and shaping. And, and as you do that, you also then, understand yourself a little bit better in that inward journey. Um, and for me, uh, it's like I've had so many sort of realizations and aha moments in the last five years, honestly, that I'm like, Oh my God, I wish I would have just, I wish I would have just knew that sooner. I wish I would have just figured that out sooner. Now, of course the beauty of the universe is that I know it now when I'm able to do something with it. Right. Um, but I don't know. I think like the concept of life coach, all those things, I just didn't, when, when I was coming up, those things weren't as prevalent as they are right now to like mm -hmm. think about what that is. Um, but I do know that what I, what I love to do more than anything else is impact other people. And what has been an awesome journey for me has been watching my ability to do that in a lot of different ways than I would have ever thought possible. Well, I want to back it up a little bit and ask, like, when you talk about those aha moments and you talk about those things that you just wish you would have known a little bit earlier, do you have any off the top of your head that you could share? Because I think a lot of our audience is in that younger 20 range. And there's a lot of things that we're obviously trying to figure out. I mean, you're, you never stop learning, you never stop growing, but we're kind of at a pivotal time where it's like, we got to start figuring some stuff out. We got to start going in some direction and kind of making some moves. I think 
you know, and some of these things, this I've, I've talked about in other, other places, I think something I, that I think is a collective in terms of if you're listening to this and you're in your 20s and you feel stuck, lost, sort of aimless without purpose, which I think is what a lot of people feel, especially right out of school, is everything is changeable. I think I underestimated how malleable, how mutable, how shiftable so many parts of our life. And the fallacy is we believe that, that it happens in a snap. We think, oh, you blink and then you you are in a good job, in a successful relationship, in the city you want to be in, with the friends that you love. You like all those things are slow evolutions that happen over small changes at a time. And the sooner you sort of realize how changeable things are and that you're the only one who is responsible for changing them, like that's the good news and the bad news at the same time is that no one's coming to save us. That's a good title for your book. Maybe no one's coming to save us. (laughs) No one's coming to save us. Like you, and I I don't mean that in terms of like, you know, there shouldn't be some kind of like safety net and Uh and aid and we shouldn't seek help. Right. But at the end of the day, all act of change begins with an action that you take first. And whether it's making that call, whether it's making that appointment, whether it is, you know, taking that class, whether it is signing up for that dating service, whatever it is, it's like, you have to take action to make those things sort of go. And I wish I knew that. I also just like, on a, a just like a purely superficial level, I, I just wish that I knew that nobody has this figured out. Mm-hmm. I am 34 years old. I have no idea what I am doing. <laughs> he looks great, everybody. I've got to mention, he doesn't look 34. I was talking to Ashley. I was like, how, he always talks about in my 20s, in my 20s. I'm like, how old is this guy? He can't be a day over 29. Yeah, I, I was like, he must be 30 something, but he doesn't appear to be 30 something. Yeah, drop the skincare routine later. But anyway, sorry, continue. <laughs> okay. what, I'll have another story about skincare routine in TikTok Live. Uh, that's a whole other joke. But... <laughs> Nobody has it figured out. Yeah. Like, and I talk to so many people and they just assume that every, and I I assume this, I assume that like, but most of us is because I think it's because from the time you sort of enter into adolescence where you begin to start developing your consciousness as a human and then through up into your, like with you end up going into higher ed and you get a bachelor's degree, you finish school and now you're suddenly out in the real world. You're on this conveyor belt where you're part of this big system and there are people whose job it is who are employed to help you navigate that system, which gives you this illusion that there is some kind of architecture to, to your life, that there will always be like a checklist. How am I towards graduation? Did I do this thing? Did I get this done? And you kind of spit yourself out and you sort of start living in your post-grad 20s and you're like, oh, oh we're all just kind of making this up, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And then everybody's pretending like they have it going on because to a certain extent, it, our, our confidence comes from experience. So you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, like I know what I can do in this situation, but that could, situation could change. And I think it's just like understanding that you, you just put one foot in front of the other and not so much worry about what is five, 10 years down the line that you'll have no control over in a lot of cases. It's kind of comforting in a way, though. It's out of your control 10 years from now. 
there's not much you can do about it. You can't really plan for it. It's kind of empowering. It takes the pressure off a little bit because there is no right or wrong way. So it's kind of just, it's your way. It's unique and individual to you and your life. And like, you're the only one who is responsible for your happiness. And I think if more people understood that, then, and, and, and what happiness means for you, it's going to be different than what it means for me what it means for your parents, what it means for your sibling, what it means for your romantic partner. Like everybody's negotiating that. So you have to get curious about yourself and where you find joy and then try to cultivate that. But it's, it's not easy, but you realize is that you're building your life and your life is everything what you make of it. it I, I'm in a very metaphysical place in the moment, but that's, that's, that's <laughs> I love that metaphysical place. Let's live in it for another hour as we continue this conversation. I'm basking in the glory of the metaphysical. Did did both of you experience like that? I mean, is is that... I wanted to touch on the fact that I think as a 22-year-old, what I've noticed, we're kind of, I mean, maybe you've seen this on TikTok, we're kind of in between maybe millennials and Gen Z. Like as a 22-year-old, we're like in that weird middle stage where we kind of relate to both sides. Um, but what I'm noticing is with all of the people growing up in our younger generation that have just been so consumed with media and so easily like connected to the whole world and all of this information at our fingertips, I think a trend I've seen is that everyone is super, super forward thinking. And I Mm -hmm. think back in the day, back in like our parents day, back in the day before all of the social media was just so ingrained in us, it was different. Like you weren't always comparing yourself so much to others or like seeing what could be in your life because it wasn't in your face all the time. But now these kids, I think, are I hear a lot of um, young, young people talking about how you create your own happiness, you create the life that you want, and all these really positive mantras. And I just think it's so interesting. And I think it's because we have so much information at our fingertips. And in a way, it's good. But in a way, I do feel like we're putting a lot of pressure on ourselves to really just have the best life ever. Like people like romanticizing Ashley and I always talk about romanticizing our life and making it the most beautiful thing, which is awesome. But to an extent, it also kind of puts pressure on because if you're not, you know, living up to that standard that you want to live, then it's like, well, you're failing in a sense. So yeah, I don't know. I I could go on and on about it, but it's very Uh interesting. The trends I'm seeing. Well, we can even reframe that because you use the word romanticizing, but every novel, every romantic comedy, every movie, there's conflict. There's yeah. obstacles. I mean, it's not like the couple meet and then they start dating and everything goes well. You're invested in it because it is challenging. I think one of the mistakes we make is we conceive of our life as supposedly this obstacle-free zone. And then when we have a challenge or we have a struggle, that somehow it means that we're failing. But the purpose of life is not avoiding the obstacle. It's about learning to be resilient from the obstacle. Uh, an old coach of mine used to say, he stole this from Rocky, but it's not how hard you hit, it's how hard you get hit. And Abby's we- obsessed with Rocky. She's seen it for like 45 times. I'm- yeah, way too many times. My dad and I watch that all the time. We always watch the very first one and also the sixth one, which is the last one where he actually tells his son, played by Milo Ventimiglia or however you say his last name, he tells him that exact quote. It's not about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you hit, can get hit and keep moving forward. And my dad tells me that all the time. Wouldn't he write it in letters to you? Yeah. Or different Rocky quotes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First of all, Rocky 1 is an incredible movie. And incredible. It's been, 
it's been parodied so much that if that you feel like you've seen it, even if you haven't. And mm-hmm. if you go back and watch it, it's incredibly inspiring. And what people always forget, and my old coach, August Benassi, used to say this, people always forget, Rocky loses in the end. Mm-hmm. The Rocky one. We remember that he wins, but he doesn't. Because his whole goal was he wanted to make it 10 rounds. Yeah. He didn't want to win. He wanted to make it 10 rounds. And in the end of the film, Creed wins. Mm-hmm. And Rocky loses, but he makes it 10 rounds. But he wins in his own mind, in his own yes, spirit. Like, yep. that's, it's such a lesson. And then the sixth one is good. And then the next one you need to, to watch is Creed. Like Rocky 2 is okay. Rocky yeah. 5 is garbage. Don't watch Rocky 5. Garbage. 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 Abby, we should watch them. I'll pound them all out in order one day. I'm so down. I actually wrote, I wrote a paper. I wrote like a history paper on Rocky and how that like shaped cinematic history and how it was just like such a big movie in its time, 1974. Love it. <laughs> We're huge movie buffs. Anyways, jumping back onto the <laughs> inspiration train. Um, what we were just talking about social media. Oh, at the same time, though, yes, it's overly positive social media. But there's this other idea that I was recently listening to on a podcast. I think I mentioned to you, to you, Abby, but kind of this idea of experience chasing, where you see the sunset and it's beautiful. And then you watch it again on vacation at this beach house and it's even prettier. And then one day you go to Europe and you're in Paris and you're watching a sunset and then it can't get better than that. And then you watch that original sunset back at your house one day and it's really lackluster and you're just thinking how you wish you were in Paris instead or at that beach it's house. It's just like a drug, like your tolerance is, is up. And then once you go back to your original one that you were used to, it's just not doing it for you anymore. So what do you think about the idea of everyone just kind of like chasing the next best thing with social media now, people in their 20s specifically. Yeah, I think, and here's the thing. This is where there's, there is a generational difference. And not, not to get into the whole millennial versus Gen Z war, but, you know, I, I, we are the last generation that grew up before. So I remember I got Facebook for the first time in 2007 and it was totally different than what it is now. Mm-hmm. You literally had to put in your you had to put in your class schedule when you first got it. And then you could only friend people you were in classes with. And it was like to share notes with. It was it's wildly wow. different. Um, and then Instagram, right, became really big with my with, with with us. But I think about that all the time of like whether it's experience chasing or or Abby, what you were talking about in terms of feeling like there's all this sense of comparison. Uh, there is what I'm noticing more, a sense of like a constant spectatorship of life. That that life is something that you observe as separated from and never a part of. And I think that that can be really troublesome because then you always see yourself as observer and not as actor, as agent, as someone capable of creating change. And I see this even like what is most disturbing to me is like the permanence of it. I think about the absolutely idiotic, stupid things that I did in high school and college. And I'm like, I am so grateful that there weren't smartphones then because Mm -hmm. think of the things that were captured. And then I think about what that psychology does to to folks in their 20s now, right? That sense of where do you find freedom? Either you either embrace that everything about you is going to be online anyway, so don't worry about it. Or you 
compartmentalize and you are always aware of being observed at every moment of every day. And I think both like aspects can be really unhealthy to your, to, to your sense of self, to who you are. Now I'm not a psychologist, right? But it's just like, I think about that sometimes and I'm like, how do you, how do you break out of that? Um, I was going to say real quick, that kind of ties into what you were saying a few minutes ago about being a passive person in life versus participating. And that's what you were saying earlier about the struggle and people are just trying to avoid struggling, which is part of the story, which makes all these movies so good and these books so good. It's a struggle and then triumph over it or whatever that means to the main character. So if everyone really wants to be a main character, they have to struggle some more. <laughs> yeah. Dude, have to struggle. And I think, I think part of it too is, is when we encounter obstacles, we tend to think that there's something inherently flawed within us. We think that we lack, that we're incapable, that if only I were this way, it wouldn't be like this. But a perspective I try to remember sometimes is that like, I speak in metaphors. And when we are, when you think about metal, metal is forged through the repetition and hammering and heat, and it creates something that is stronger than what it originated. And I think in many cases, we forget that as humans, experience forges us. It, it shapes us. It molds us. And that only comes with battle scars. And I'm not saying that, you know, we should, that that makes all of our trauma okay. But it does, it does build resilience. It does build a sense of, I can, I can do more than this. And I see it superficially, right? When I see, sometimes it happens where like, I'll encounter students now that just won't turn an assignment because they didn't know how to do it or they were nervous about it. And they're just like, I, I was so I was so anxious because I didn't understand, but I didn't want to ask, so I just didn't do any of it at all. And you're like, wow. Whoa, whoa, okay. What, what let's not let's talk about that. Let's or, unpack that. <laughs> well, I've seen this where students will miss several classes and then they won't come for like six months or like three months. And like, well, I missed three classes and I thought it'd be so awkward that I just didn't want to come. And I was like, like yeah. this sense of, I think that can be really damaging because you forget that like, I was thinking about this today. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here. I think one of the most damaging things we told people was that you needed to be a brand. Mm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, this goes with the constant knowledge of being watched. And I think that's made people very performative. And obviously in psychology 101, they talk about the spotlight effect and how everyone is just very always constantly thinking that there's all these eyes on them. Like everyone, it starts at like a very basic level. Everyone's going to notice this pimple that I got and everyone's going to be thinking about that when they're talking to me. No, they're not. They're going to be thinking about how they have a stain on their shirt or like whatever. Like everyone's just so introspective and so like egotistical in a way. Not in a negative way, but we are like, we're all the main characters of our own story. We're all so worried and like infatuated with what's going on in our specific lives. Like we don't have time to worry about everyone else yet. Everyone's all thinking this at the same time. And I think that's made the younger generation really, really anxious. Like as we see trends happening, like we're more anxious and depressed than most because we are constantly putting on a show. We are constantly building this personal brand and thinking about what others are thinking about us. And that makes me really sad that you have students that are like, I just thought it would be awkward if I didn't, sh if I came after missing three classes, like, no, it's not going to be awkward. What's going to be awkward is you failing the class and not getting a degree, like yeah. suck it up, have a conversation, have some confidence in yourself. Like 
it's just really worrisome to me. And I, I, I worry for like my future kids, like growing up in a social media generation, like what that's going to do to them. Well, and, and there's so much different science about that I, and how it, it, it is rewiring our brains. And I mean, and I'm not immune to that. Let's not make this a, a, a unidirectional. Uh, it, I mean, yeah, I, it affects it, us all in different ways. Yes, Adam's sure. brain is also rewired now. <laughs> addiction is real. Like, yeah. yeah like, um, but I think about that in terms of, I was thinking about how we told people that, that they had to be a brand and that meant that you had to identify specific characteristics and then keep that characteristic about yourself consistent over and over and over. And I think we forget that humans are multifaceted. We are inconsistent. We are flawed. We, we, are, we are not little niches. We are not like, I think those things, we really forget that. And, and it's just really interesting to me how that happens. Um, and I think that, that can be really bad because then we, then we don't really help people understand that you, you can change, you can grow. You can be different. You can mm-hmm. you can like different things. You can talk about different things. But this idea that like I think you know, Abby, you said it really well. Of like, you're it's performative, and then who is the audience you're performing to? The other thing that I think is really strange is there's kind of a constant surveillance, and you see it a lot on college campuses. But I think this happens even out where like people are out, and then you want to see some, you see something crazy. And your first instinct, right? And not like crazy, like someone's unsafe, but like, oh my gosh, look at that girl. She's a little too drunk and they're making out with somebody else. Let me film it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to upload it for something else. And now like that lives on forever. And then people are racing, at least on some campuses, like, I don't know if y'all follow the different bar stools, right? Yeah. Like it's literally just a race to show crazy things mm-hmm. online for clout. And you're like, what? For what? What is that yeah. gain you? What's that serving you? Like it's it's stressful and yeah. Yeah, it is stressful, especially with cancel culture and just making one possible wrong move and just everyone ready to pounce on you for no forgiveness whatsoever, no grace. Mm-hmm. It's just like one and done if you're but in that's the limelight. A whole- other episode cancel culture that we could spend (laughs) two more hours on i wanted to touch on one last thing before we kind of move on about what you were talking about how people view challenges in life as an inward thing like something that's wrong with them and i Mm -hmm. thought of this metaphor that i think about sometimes that's um a pretty easy way to think about perception of the world and like things happening is when you go and try on a pair of jeans that can be a really tough experience for a lot of people. Jeans are hard, especially for women, like different sizes, shapes, body types, whatever. But you try on a pair of jeans, maybe it's the number on the jeans or it's the size or the fit that you wanted and you try it on and you don't fit it. And then you can either, either think, I don't fit in these jeans and that's something to do with you or it's these, this specific pair of jeans isn't fitting me. Like this jeans is not, these jeans are not serving me. They're not doing what they should be. And it's not a you thing. It's a a brand of jeans. And I think if people thought of (laughs) obstacles in life, like a pair of jeans, and they just viewed it as, okay, this thing is happening. This has nothing to do with me. But what does have to do with me is like how I react to that. And I'm in control of how I'm going to move forward from that. I think people would be a lot more, a lot less anxious anyway, about it. I love that. I think it's really powerful. I yeah, love the jeans thing. That takes a lot of pressure, I think, off of rejections because it's not yeah. you. It's just the situation wasn't a good fit. Yep. Yeah. And oh. that just leads you towards another path. We had a really elegant transition between 
generational differences in genes, and we did not bring up uh, the skinny jeans controversy, which I really. <laughs> Um, the skinny jeans the side part the middle part mark my first of all i i feel like that whole conversation is like a tiktok war on christmas it never (laughs) actually originated anywhere but because the mythos of like this battle like like i saw one thing about middle parts and side parts but like we had things called janko jeans it had like things that hung down we all we all looked like we were doing a cosplay of billy eilish it was not billy eilish cosplay (laughs) That's a theme party if I've ever heard one. It was, you know, it was fine for some. And like, I, I like couched myself in the baggiest things. And I have only in the last five years found jeans that I feel like make my body look good. <laughs> like, give me my stretch denim. Give it to me. Give me the jeggings. Jeggings all day. <laughs> I was seen on TikTok. Why are we trying to equate 27, 30-year-olds, even 25-year-olds to 14-year-olds? That's absurd. It is absurd. Like, when we were 14, we wouldn't be equating ourselves to 25-year-olds. It's a generational no. thing. And like, think back think back to the way you all were when you were 14. Like, I think back about how I was when I was 14. Like, no Perfect. man. There no were man. sparkles on the butt of my jeans. I was wearing Aeropostale. There were feathers and some hair. I don't even know. Crackles on my nail polish. Like, ew. Just ew. Ironically enough, the, the things that are coming in style now were things that were popular when I was 14. So this is very strange. Fashion is always so cyclical. It's crazy. When I saw that like Doc Doc Martens and Choker choke necklaces were back, I was like, oh, okay. So so we going going full 1998. Yeah. We are four years ago. Abby putting on a choker to go to a party. (laughs) 100% freshman year of college. Did I go anywhere without a choker? I don't think so. Last year had butterfly clips in my hair. Butterfly clips. You heard it right. We still do, I think, but we'll stop for another time. But um, switching gears a little bit, I want to talk about post-grad in your 20s, the idea, I saw TikTok about this recently, and she was maybe 30, and she was talking about how you graduate college, you spend, you're in this community of people, you're surrounded by a million best friends, you spend the next five years trying to get it back, and then you realize that you're you're not going to really get that back. So I'm lonely, Abby's lonely, all the friends we know are lonely. So how, what is your advice for not having such a ready community around you post-grad. Mm, that's so powerful. I think people don't, I don't think we prepare people enough for the transition out. Yeah. No one told us. <laughs> it's, and it's not just that it's a rough one. Like think, think about, think about the, f- you say, we say that we're stressed when we're in college and you, you are, but you have an ultimate thing that you will probably never have at any other point in your life, which is an absolute freedom of schedule. You have constant change. Your schedule changed every four months. Every 15 weeks, you'd have a different class with new people and new situations and new professors and new things. And yes, you might fill your schedule with meetings and clubs and organizations and jobs and all of those things. But that's ultimately up to your control. You weren't like, oh, I go – like my transition was going from college to I walk into this building and I sit down at this desk at 8.30 – until five o'clock. Sometimes I get lunch. Sometimes I have a meeting in another building, so I get to leave. But most of it is I'm there, and that's that's where I am, and I'm doing one thing with not a lot of change for long periods of time. Now, granted, some of this is dated, right? And did you feel that you were living for the weekend, like living for two days out of your seven-day week? Also, you forget how tired 
tiring it is when you're doing that like nine to five life. And it's, it's definitely different now in a pandemic, right? So this is all kind of pre pandemic, but you like, you come home at five o'clock and you're like, I'm t- I used to go out. Yeah. Who's going out? Like the most relatable thing was that episode of 30 rock. Again, I I'm talking to 20 somethings. So <laughs> like, we need to change. But like the scene where they're like, Oh, we're you want to meet, meet us out at 10. And Liz Lemon's like, at night, like, yeah. I think that sense of first of all, when I think for me, I viewed the perspective of my twenties through the prism of television, and so my reference for that for me was Friends, and mm-hmm. most of my post college life was realizing that my life was going to be nothing like the show Friends. For you all, it's probably a different reference point, but you you grow up sort mm-hmm. of romanticizing this twenty, yeah. maybe like New Girl or something. New girl, gossip girl, whatever it is for y'all. But you realize, oh, that's not happening for me. And there's this like, there's this monotony and a sameness that you have to wrestle with of like, oh, oh, like there's a routine. And that's comforting sometimes, but the loneliness is real. Ma, mm-hmm. I think it's funny because I, I could tell you what not to do because I did not do this. Um, but I think you hit on a really good sense of it when you said community. But it's community you have to create yourself. I talk about two things with people that they really underestimate. Every new situation that you're in, there's a window that opens, but that window closes. Where where people are willing to meet you, willing to engage with you, to connect with you. But if you don't take advantage of that window, people will assume that you're good and they won't want to connect with you. It's kind of like, have, have you if you ever moved into a new apartment or like moved into a new place? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what that's like when there's like that first month when you're moving in? Or have you lived somewhere where someone else has moved in? Like you like, maybe you're in an apartment building and like you get a new neighbor or something like right. that. Yes, totally. Okay. And there's that moment where you're like, should I introduce ourselves? Should we like say hi? And you try to figure out like if you're those people and if they don't talk to you and if you don't talk to them, then you will never speak to them. Yeah. Because yeah. you're like, well, it's kind of like that in every workplace you're in and every city you move to, there's a window that opens when you move to a new place. And then whenever you're in something new, especially in your twenties, you should say yes to the opportunities that are in front of you. If somebody invites you to something, just go. You'll get a feel for like who's what and where, but in that like window of opportunity, you want to take advantage of that, try to figure out what the lay of the land is a little bit. And it will make people more likely to invite you to other things because they know, oh, like you're 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 a joiner, you'll you'll do stuff. The other way to think about it is, and I stole this from a podcast. It was actually a Housewives Breakdown podcast. They had this, <laughs> I had this woman on it. It's Bitch Sesh, which is an amazing podcast. If you aren't listening to it, you all should. It's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. But there's this woman on there who's this like relationship expert who's talking about the housewives. And she mentioned this theory that I think is brilliant. And it's this idea of, the light, of a lighthouse. Lighthouses don't search for boats. Lighthouses shine their light and boats come to it. They, they, wow. they, they, see, they see those things. And whether it's a romantic relationship or friendships, I think in your 20s, think about yourself like a lighthouse. Shine your light and people will come to that. Or if there isn't that community in existence, forge it yourself. Be like, hey, I'm going to go to this bar for drinks after work. Anybody's welcome to come. And you'll slowly build that because... I think you hit it on, on, on the head, Ashley, when you're like, you spend five years trying to get it back. The sooner you realize- I got that from a TikTok. I didn't come up with it, but- <laughs> None of our ideas are our own. <laughs> but she was saying, yeah, you spend years and years trying to get that 
exact same community back. And slowly over time, you get some community, but it's obviously never the same hundreds of people at your fingertips that all want plans with you. I want to know something. I love the metaphors, by the way. Keep them coming. I'm a big metaphor girl. So I know, each I'm, new thing you say, I'm like, God, this was the thing I'm going to remember. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay, so the lighthouse thing. So say you're a lighthouse and you're shining your light far and wide, but the lighthouse is placed in a rural area where it's covered in trees and it's really hard for that light to get anywhere because it's in a place that's not really surrounded by a lot of water with a lot of options. What would you what would you say to that lighthouse? And maybe the lighthouse keeper is working remotely too. So there's no <laughs> Well, maybe what you need to do is build a harbor for the boats that they don't know to come because they just see the light and they don't know what they're supposed to do there. So and I can relate to this because I live in a smallish town where there aren't a lot of, I mean, I don't live in a big city, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Me either, Adam. Me either. And I've, <laughs> I've actually never lived in, well, I mean, I lived in, I've lived in suburbs before, but I've never lived in like a major metropolitan area. I would say that, so for example, one of the things I've done in the last five years is I helped start a group in the town that I live in Tuscaloosa called Young Tuscaloosa. And it was a group for people who were, there was like, there was a lot of things in town for people who were 40 and above, but there was nothing for like young folks who weren't college students, who were maybe in their first job, who wanted to connect with other people who knew nobody. And so we started a young professionals organization in in our town. And it started off with like, we're going to do a monthly happy hour and invite people, but we've, we're now in our third, fourth year and they've created fitness uh, elements. We do fun runs. We've done service days where we've um, gotten involved with the community in different aspects. We'll do some things in the morning, like have coffee together. People have, we've like even done like Myers-Briggs stuff together. And I've met some really awesome and interesting people there. And it's also nice to build that network of people who are going through a similar stage in life, like that, like not that sort of I'm figuring out how to be an adult, like, mm-hmm. hey, how, how do you use a doctor? How do you like find yeah. one? Right? Like all of those kind of things. How does health um, insurance work? I'm still figuring that out, to be honest. <laughs> girl, me too. Why is it so confusing? It's, well, first of all, not to get political, but it's confusing by design. It is not supposed to to be simple. I like, feel and, attacked. And <laughs> done that way so that you are confused because well it's working let me let me zoom out a little bit one of the things i think is really hard for i think this particular like y'all's batch of 20 somethings is you are the generation of disruption and because everything that you've interfaced with has been designed with the end user in mind And you've thought about the end-to-end processes and you find yourself boundaryless. You're like, everything is possible. We could do this. We could do this. I mean, look at you. You were out of school and you thought, I don't know. I feel like nobody does this. Let's make a podcast about being 20-somethings and and figuring that out and just learning to to just go with it and all of those elements. And you created it and you figured out microphones and all this stuff. Like, you didn't learn this in school, but you, you, you made that happen. The problem is, though, is that you assume that all the systems you're going to interact with are designed with a really nice fluid end-to-end process that people have thought through. Most mm-hmm. of it is like cobbled together with duct tape. It's like somebody built this in the 50s and then we added this and then we took that away and then we added this thing on top of that. But this is true in some cases, but not in others. And it's this like gobbledygook of things. 
and we're then surprised by the fact that you're confused. Just get persistent on it. Like one of the things that I'm proudest of is once a year, I block out an entire half day on my calendar and all I do is stay on the phone with my cable company and I just <laughs> haggle my rate. That is all I'm doing. I'm like, wow. oh no, 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 I have the time. I have the time. Put me on hold. <laughs> <laughs> Put me on hold. Let's freaking go. I love that. That was like me with um, Abby. I spent five days with Apple on the phone trying to get all this stuff straightened out with my phone. And I was like, you know what? I've got all day. Nothing yeah. holding me back this weekend. <laughs> Nothing is more dangerous than when a person's like, you know what? I have the time. Well, I, I, I'm notorious and maybe I'm too extroverted, but like I will, I will get to know my customer service representative. Oh, totally. So- I was telling Abby when I was on the phone, I was like, Abby, I met this wonderful woman from Alabama. She's a single mom. We've been on the phone for like three hours and I'm making jokes and she's laughing. <laughs> I'm like, Ruth, you know what? You are the best. Yeah, we are all so much of that type of person. All three of us were so, like, I can already tell, like, making best friends with your customer service reps. Oh, Abby will befriend any bartender, Uber driver, checkout, drugstore person. I love meeting people on a plane. I love. Mm, That's Abby's forte. Me too, Adam. (laughs) Incredible. Because A, they will tell you things that you did not ask. But like people, I have one of those like faces that people feel like they just can unload to me and I live for it. I live. I've had a woman tell me on a plane that like she's on her way to have this like affair and she's like, "Uh uh-huh, we're getting into this. We have two hours. We're on a Southwest flight. They're not bringing us anything. (laughs) One time I sat next to a girl and I got to know her really, really well. And she was flying down to California. I was going back to school. And she was going to an American Idol audition. And I was like, no way. And so we talked all about it, like about the process, about how that went. And she was like 19 years old. She was younger than me by like a year or something. And I was like, stop. You have to like give me your Instagram. I need to follow up with you. And we did. And we're going to try to get her on the podcast as well. And we've also had another woman that I met on an airplane on this podcast before. So yeah. I got really excited because I thought you were about to drop like, and she was. You'll lead up to that, but no. Obviously, like you have to be extroverted in order to like do these type of things like that's not for everyone. But as a generation, the younger people are so anxious and they're so afraid to like ask the waiter for like something that they don't have Mm -hmm. that's correct. Like they're not they're afraid to ask for what they want, yet they expect to have all of these like extreme extravagant experiences. Well, you don't get there without humanizing everyone around you and utilizing who is at your resource, like and realizing that everyone is just people, too, and they all have backstories. and so. I love hearing people's backstories and meeting new people is like my favorite thing ever. So I think remembering that people are people, I think that's the hardest thing for people to remember these days is that Mm -hmm. like everyone's a person, whether it's the person that is instructing you, whether it is the person that you are leaving a comment on, on TikTok, whether like everyone's a person. And at the end of the day, and here's the other thing that people forget is like people really are comfortable talking about themselves. So if you're ever without something to say, just ask somebody a question about themselves and they will just start talking about them because it's it's so much easier than anything else. Totally. Yeah. That's like what they always say when you're in a networking room, get people talking about themselves. They'll feel mm-hmm. the most comfortable. And mm-hmm. phones are such a safety net cop out. Obviously you're in a waiting room, stare at your phone. You're on a plane, stare at your phone. It's the biggest cop out in the world, but we don't need to beat the phone oh. conversation. <laughs> and it's been a while because like, even in small ways, like 
on in a college campus in a hallway waiting for a class where they're all in a class, they will not talk to each mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you understand that like these should be formative. This is a conversation with people that are it's probably the only time in your life where you'll be in a room with people who have like of a similar mindset in some capacity and be able to discuss those ideas and you're all from the same age group and you have a similar references, like and you're not you're not acting on that inertia. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa, I can't I couldn't imagine that. What's your advice for people that are just feeling down in their 20s? There's obviously a pandemic happening. You graduate college. That's a double whammy right there. Um, (laughs) What's your advice for people just to try to bring back the positivity and fall in love with themselves again? A lot of people are just feeling very lost, I think, even if you have secured a job or if you haven't. It's just we're all just a little bit like, okay, we're all just floating. Life Life is a little weird right now. And what what am I going to do with that? What am I going to do to make the most out of my situation? Like, do we fake it till we make it? <laughs> I think we also have to like, we really have to acknowledge what we are currently like living through. And I know that that, that, that is trite to point out, right? And we've made it a joke, right? Like, um, oh, in a panoramic, in a parabola, in a, you know, we, we, we joke about it all. Um, but like, realistically, we have, we are, the loneliness that we're having is so deep and so profound. And I think first of all, like all your, like your feelings have to be acknowledged before you can, you can begin to process and move forward with them. I think that's, that's an important thing to remember in terms of positivity. Um, I'm a person that tries to choose to be positive in, in many situations. I am an aggressive optimist. Sometimes I try to see, the good in things. Um, part of that is just born out of like, I'm an extremely empathetic person. And so when I see somebody hurting, I just want to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to make them feel better, but that doesn't mean that I'm positive all the time. <laughs> I'm not, I get really, really down. I get really dark I get depressed. Sometimes I'm, I'm an extremely anxious person. And if anybody listening to this knows me, they'll, they'll validate that. But I think one of the things you can do is, is, Control what you can control and recognize what is outside of your sphere. And also trying to be present and be careful of the narratives you tell yourself. So let's unpack each of those. The trying to be present, I think, you know, we think that we can we can think about our past and then we ruminate on those. Or we're worried about the future. What will I be? When will I become? Well, I want this now. And will I, like, and that is this idea that you are operating from a space of lack in the time. Think about like all these amazing people that we hear stories about, many of whom didn't do the thing that made them amazing until their 30s or their 40s. I mean, J.K. Rowling, setting aside her current uh, statements, um, he wrote Harry Potter when she was in her mid-30s. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and it change the course of my childhood, right? right? I think that is, um, that's a testament of that. Of Ashley, when did Morgan that. Freeman get his first role? I think it was forties, maybe even early. Yeah. 30s? Yeah. yeah. He like, did. What a good <laughs> I think about these things that were like, we were running out of time. Um, but sometimes when I'm really down, I try to surround myself and if with either nature, or I just try to like feel the presence of where I am. Like I'll go for a walk. I will listen to birds. I will look at the sun. I will try to like observe something that is beautiful in my direct vicinity 
And if you go looking for it, your brain will start seeking that pattern over and over and over again. That doesn't mean that you're always going to be that way, but sometimes when I'm in a mood, that can really help. I, I'm a person that thrives on routine and structure. When I have a routine and structure, it gives me a great sense of control and balance. So like mm-hmm. every morning, my routine is basically pretty much the same for the last year. I wake up before I get out of bed. I tell myself three things that I'm grateful for. And I say, it's going to be a fantastic day. I love that. I love that. Then I get out of bed and I will walk my dog. Um, Some mornings I'll walk my dog. I'm filming morning TikTok while I'm walking my dog. Um, And thank God you do so that we can watch them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then I will have a cup of coffee with my husband and I'll either then um, read for 20 minutes, work out for 20 minutes, or sometimes meditate, sometimes pray, depending on if I can squeeze all that in. But like, I at least read and work out for 20 minutes every day. And that sense of like, okay, I have parts of my day that are dedicated to me, where I'm doing something that feels developmental for myself, makes me feel good. And then when I feel good, that helps. And honestly, for me, like, TikTok was that for me. Like, <laughs> I was extremely lonely and isolated and feeling like I had lost all of my social circle and my friend groups and everything around me kind of like fell apart. And I was like, well, I'll just do, I'll, I'll start making, I downloaded the app as a joke. Um, but I that's figured what I'll start making everybody says. over 15 downloaded it as a joke. Yeah, that's a joke. Totally. And then you're like, okay. And, and then, and, and, and now it's like, I put, I try to put out things I want. Sometimes it's just like things that I find entertaining or I find funny, but sometimes it's like, okay, it's me putting out something positive into the world. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that comes back. Sometimes it doesn't. But I think that sense of like being mindful about, okay, if you want to be happy, if you want to, not happy, if you want to be positive, if you want to change your mood, think about what you're putting out and what, and what you're putting in. Like what messages you're receiving and what messages you're putting out. Your vibe and, attracts your tribe, right, Ashley? Mm-hmm. My least favorite quote, yeah. Oh my gosh, y'all. I just, so I saw someone on TikTok. Her name is Paola Hernandez. And she put together this playlist called I'm Thriving. I am apostrophe thriving um, and apostrophe. And it is all like upbeat, positive, affirming, like, quasi there's like mantra loops which i've never heard before but it's like the thing and i've been listening to that for the last like week and a half and i'm like things are changing like i feel good like like there's a song in there called like take up space and i'm just like yes i'll take up space. (laughs) i think sometimes it's like i and also recognize like you're gonna fall out of that sometimes Mm -hmm. um i've been describing the last year among my friend group as like a Ferris wheel. Um, one of us will be really, really good and really in a great mood. And then like another no, of us will totally. be like full on falling apart. And we're just constantly like changing it about like we're n- no one's ever on the same page mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, the hard part for me, I'm a three, right? So I always want to take care of myself. I always want to have myself together. I always want to seem like I know what I'm doing and that I'm prepared. And when I was really struggling, 
I completely fell apart on like a friend's game night that I was having with like my four best friends. And I just like completely sobbed because they asked, Adam, how are you? And I, I just fell apart. That's when um, you fell apart too. <laughs> yeah. How are you? And they, they, they pulled together and they sent me flowers. Um, and no one had ever done that before from like, I have a hard time being vulnerable in front of people, which is weird because I do it on TikTok, but for some reason TikTok feels feels different. Mm-hmm. Um, but like like being vulnerable with like a problem that I'm having or like, oh, I'm like struggling with this. Um, and they just like showed up for me. And I think that's a reminder to everybody else is like tell people. Mm-hmm. Like tell people like I am not well right now. And someone there – there is probably someone in your life, even if you don't think that there is, who is willing to sit with you in your loneliness – in your pain, in your whatever it is that you're going through. But unfortunately, given the circumstances that we're in now, like you, you have to vocalize that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like I said earlier, like every form of transformation comes from an initial form of action. And so that step towards that happiness, that joy that you're seeking is begins with that action that you, you, you just said. Yeah, that's really powerful. I love that. I feel so inspired, you guys. Thank you. <laughs> I'm trying to like compartmentalize all of this information, but that's absolutely true. I feel like, especially this year, I have also learned how to tell people, hey, I like cried in my car today, or I'm sad, or vocalize my emotions more, and also to sit with them because there, it's nice to sit around and cry and to mm-hmm. <laughs> let yourself feel all of that and ride it out for whatever few days. And then it's a you're release. For a while. Yeah, it really is. Like you've got to let yourself feel. We had an episode about this too. It was actually Taylor Swift themed about her lyrical genius. Um, but we were just talking about how you really just have to let yourself feel all of the feelings because that's when you know you're alive, like when you're feeling it and you're not suppressing it and you're not ignoring it and you're just living Mm -hmm. and I totally I agree that even if you don't think you do there's somebody in your life that you could reach out to that will care and that will want to listen and I think people get too nervous to reach out but it's important to remember to try you had said there was two points I think the second one was about not listening to your what was it your narrative a negative narrative yeah Yeah, Yeah. I don't think you hit on that one yet yeah, be careful of the stories you tell yourself. Yes, I think sometimes we buy into stories about ourselves, and then we and then those stories seek out behaviors within us to make those stories true. If you've ever read, there's a there's a guy named Eckhart Tolle, and I recently read his book, um, and it's really opened my eyes to thinking. Um, a big moment of transformation for me was reading the book "You Are a Badass" by Jen Sincero. I can literally I see that it. book everywhere. Yeah, I have been debating whether or not I should get it. I, I bought that book at a bookstore in an airport when I was traveling for work one day and I read it on a plane and that that book has quite literally changed my life. Like, and, and, and that's weird to say, cause like how can a book change your life? And maybe because I was looking for words to put into language, what I was feeling mm-hmm. and to give the experience. Um, but that kind of started me on this like journey of, figuring, learning about myself and trying to figure out all these things. But Eckhart Tolle has this thing about how our negative emotions override us sometimes when we identify with them. And that slips into people's language, right? People don't say like, I feel sad. They say, I am sad. Words are just words until you believe them and then they become more. And that distinction between I feel and I am 
I am becomes I am this thing and I am this Mm -hmm. and I can't change that. And there's a feeling of like, we tell ourselves that it will always feel this way and it won't. Mm -hmm. We tell ourselves, I am always like this and we won't and you're not. (laughs) And I think the, the stories we tell ourselves about what we are capable of, what we are incapable of, who we are, how we are, all of those are changeable. And so sometimes it's valuable to tell yourself a different story about yourself. What is the story you're telling yourself in this moment? And what could the different story that you could tell be? And it can be something as simple as like, um, I find this happens a lot like at the end of the day. Right when when my husband and I are kind of catching up on on things um, back when we used to work outside of a home, um, <laughs> the glory days. <laughs> we right, like, we would come together around dinner time and we'd talk about it, and it was always interesting the stories we would end up carrying forward in our day. Right, it was typically like ah, unload, 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 mm-hmm. um, and sometimes like okay, what is the story I'm telling about myself in this moment? Is it I am a person that like I, like for example, I used to tell myself all kinds of terrible stories about money. That like I was bad with it. I didn't understand it. I hated talking about it. I would just avoid it. And now I've been in positions where I'm having to talk about money, and I have to start telling myself, no, like I am comfortable with this. I'm learning a new skill. This will be uncomfortable, but I will grow with this. Right? Like the stories we tell about ourselves and what we can and cannot do um, is really powerful. And I find that people who understand that are people who've gone through some kind of transformative experience in their life. It could be physical, it could be emotional, it could be, um, you know, circumstantial, but like people in my life who were like, I, I vibe with really strongly are people who there was a moment in their life where it was like, I was this way and then this happened and now I'm this way. And though you, once you trans, once you change one thing in your life, you realize you can almost change everything. And I'm not talking about that in terms of like the big things, right? I'm not talking about that in terms of like the structural elements of life. Like right. It could be gender. like you tell a story about yourself that you are just someone who hates working out and you never do it. Mm-hmm. And that would never be you. And you will never be one of those people who says the gym is my happy place. And then one day you just wake up and you start going to the gym every day. And now fitness is your passion and you list it on things of hobbies that you do and you tell that story about yourself you are fit you are healthy you are taking care of yourself and that's a whole nother story and it's a much better story might I add (laughs) yeah or or even in how that manifests itself in terms of relationships right like oh god I'm a terrible boyfriend I'm a terrible girlfriend I do this and that's me at it's like okay (laughs) what why are you telling that story about yourself Mm -hmm. um and I see this over and over and over again in so many different different people. And of course I do it too, right? Like there are stories I tell about myself, but I think understanding the narrative you're telling about yourself and asking yourself in that in a, in a key moment is really a beneficial exercise. Well, I think this conversation has taken so many amazing turns and I just feel like it's a really important conversation to have. And I'm just really glad and grateful for this platform to be able to have these kinds of conversations with people we normally never would have like without Mm -hmm. this we wouldn't have just reached out to you by seeing your tiktoks and said want to chat on the phone like that's (laughs) weird but okay let's talk about that for a second like that is the most impressive thing that is it that that, that, i think that is the coolest thing because okay a lot of people would have seen that and been like well like 
I don't know, we can reach out and, and who are we and who are they and how is that working out? But like, no one has ever asked that of me before. And I was like, right. And here I am, like, and I literally on one of my goals, I was like, I want to do three podcast interviews in the next week. And the day that happened is the day that y'all emailed me. <laughs> Manifestation. Like, this is happening. And I just think it's so cool because, and like, and I'm so grateful. I am immensely grateful for the things that TikTok has brought into my life. Mm-hmm. Like in a sense of provided me a platform, but also like I literally treat when I'm live on TikTok, like I'm at a bar with my friends mm-hmm. because I literally haven't been able to do that in a year. Yeah. And so I'm like, Okay, like I'm hanging out with people. I'm getting some of that social engagement that I, as an extrovert and a people person, just have been craving. Mm-hmm. And it's also awesome for me because I feel like the idea that that anything I say at all could somehow like give somebody encouragement and empowerment to to go on and live their life in a way that is true and valid and empowering for them is everything mm-hmm. and i just think it's so cool that you all are doing this too like you're literally experiencing this moment in your life and rather than being crippled by it you're like how do we document this and then use it to help others like i just think that's just it's just so incredible and i and i, mm-hmm. I hope that it whoever is listening to this realize that like the boundaries that you're placing between the thing you're wanting to do and the way you're feeling and like the changes you're wanting to make like some of those boundaries are in your head. Like, just do something. And even if you fail at it, like, it could lead to something really mm-hmm. cool. Like, I met really cool, awesome people tonight and had an awesome experience that I never would have had otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that's a powerful force. Yeah, it's really powerful. And Ashley and I are always talking about how amazing life could be if you just have the courage enough to ask, to ask things of people and to ask things of yourself, too. Mm-hmm. And it's just never hurts to ask. It never hurts to ask because what, where does that leave you if you get a no in the exact same place you were? Okay, cool. Let's move on to the next. Like, uh-huh. It's just a good, you know, mindset to be in. And I'm just really glad that we met you and that we got to have this amazing conversation. And before we wrap it up, I really want you to pimp yourself out on TikTok, Instagram, whatever you want. Where can the people find you? Sure. People can find me at uh, Oh Hey Adam on TikTok. And you can find me at Adam Brooks PhD on Instagram. But TikTok's my happy place. It's my fun <laughs> place. Yeah, that's the place to go. And then also, real quick, any books or podcasts you recommend? Besides, Besides when, you are a badass because yes. we are. I'm about to go put that in my shopping I cart. Promise, right now. I'll go get it. <laughs> Love you are a badass. Um, Atomic Habits. I recently read, and it's it's been really helpful in terms of thinking about how to how to take action on smaller things. Um, podcasts that I love. I'm a big Pod Save America listener. I love, I love <laughs> Crooked Media. Love those. For fun, I listen to Bitch Sesh, um, which is a pot- housewife breakdown show. I also love Brene Brown's podcast um, about daring greatly. Um, yeah, I think that those are good starting places. But like, I, but like, I also am a sci-fi fantasy nerd so but like that's the whole thing we didn't unpack (laughs) um uh, in terms of like development i would say i check out um check out jensen sarah's work um eckhart Tolle, the power of now is a really great book also from about perspective giving that if you're interested in that um but i think yeah i love those 
perfect. We have full Amazon shopping carts after this. Yeah, <laughs> everyone, go get the, go get the books right now, and then you can also have this amazing outlook that Adam has on life. <laughs> if you're so lucky. Um, well, anyways, thank you so much. It was an absolute joy speaking with you, and I hope we can keep in touch and do it again sometime. Absolutely, and I wanna oh, I wanna hear more about how your lives are going. Um, I feel like I'm connected to you now, so I, I love know. it. Yeah, it's really cool to connect with people, just strangers across America. That's like my number one favorite thing about doing this podcast is just having these conversations and meeting these people. It's it's really such a joy. We could have That's no awesome. fans or listeners and we do this forever. 